I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of this Let's Ride Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. It's another victory Monday. That is right. Yes. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 9-0 after their 36-10 throttling of Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. I really hope that Steelers fans listened. I mean, I kind of said this on the Steelers preview last week leading up to the game against the Bengals. They were two five and one people. I mean, I get it that they had beaten Tennessee and that got everyone's attention, and they're coming off a of bye week. And Joe Burrow is pretty low, looks pretty good for a rookie. I get all of that, but they're two five and one. I mean, come on. I mean, you're talking about an undefeated Steelers team against a two five and one Cincinnati Bengals team at home at Heinz Field. Uh, clearly, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't need to practice, but still, I, I hope that fans saw something on Sunday. I really do. I, and we're going to dive into that. And I, I, there's something that's very scary about this Steelers team that we need to talk about. Very scary. And it's going to be something that I think fans are, well, we'll see how you respond to it. But ultimately I just want to remind everyone that wherever you're listening, however you're listening, follow us on our podcast platform, just search Steelers or behind the steel curtain and subscribe, follow whatever you do. And that we don't miss a thing, not just my Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Let's Ride podcast, but also our afternoon podcast, breaking news, injury reports, uh, Mike Tomlin press conference recaps, you name it, we have it all for you. And this is all part of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. A lot of people might listen to our podcast and not realize that 
really we're a part of something that's larger. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com is a part of SB Nation. So make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. Let's get right down to the thick of it. Like I said, 36 to 10, the Steelers completely dominate the Bengals. And it sounds crazy when you look at a 36 to 10 final. It actually was worse than that. It really was. I mean, if you watch this game from start to finish, the Steelers left so many points on the field early in that game, whether it was off of turnovers, drives that just stalled out for some ungodly reason, mainly mainly for some really idiotic play calling. But they they left a lot on the field. 36 to 10, though. They win. Move on. Check another box. 9 and 0. Continue to make franchise history. But there's so much more to that. There's a lot within the division that we're going to get to at the end of this show. We're going to talk a lot about the AFC North implications of the Steelers and the Ravens and all that good stuff. But I want to start off with that scary theme. I, I kind of wish that this was around Halloween. Um, it would have made a lot of sense to do it then. But nonetheless, it's not. We're getting ready for Thanksgiving. We all know it's Thanksgiving night. But what is here's what's scary about this Pittsburgh Steelers team. I'll tell you right now. What is scary about this Steelers team is that, oh my gosh, these guys have not even put together a complete game yet. I'll say it again. These guys, and when I say guys, I mean these players in this coaching staff have not put together a complete game yet. That should scare every single team in the National Football League to death. Because you get the feeling that they're going to put it together. And when they do put it together, show me a team that can stop them. Show me a team that can beat them that and that, and that defense. I don't see it. People want to talk about the Chiefs. People want to do all that. That's fine. But here's what's really, really scary is that the Steelers, especially on offense, have not even come close to playing a complete football game. And we're going to dive into some numbers here after this win to really diagnose where they can improve, how they can improve, and what fans can look forward to to see that growth here coming up in the coming weeks. Let's look on the offense first. I think that's pretty obvious that if there's room for growth, that it's going to be on the offensive side of the football. But where? Now, I want you to understand that, really, when it comes to average yards, the Steelers are middle of the road for most for most everything. Okay, passing the average now they're out now averaging two hundred forty three point two yards per game. That number has been going up as Roethlisberger's been throwing more. He is efficient. He's been very efficient, obviously, with football. But ultimately, the passing numbers are, are pretty middle of the road. Can improve. They can obviously improve. I don't think we want them to have to improve, but they can improve. Rushing 101.8, that's actually towards the bottom half of the league, if not the bottom third. And the one area where you're looking at the Steelers' running game, I think that's where everyone was pointing. And I asked, I asked myself, if the Steelers would have rushed for, I don't know, 150, 160 yards in the game, even if no one like if even if James Conner doesn't have a huge outing, let's say they have a couple backs that contribute, when well, I feel like this would have had a totally different vibe to it coming off the win. Nonetheless, everyone's kind of looking at the running game, saying, "Oh my gosh, how in the world they only rushed for forty four yards? Are you serious?" Well, sometimes you got to win by chucking it, and that's exactly what the Steelers did on Sunday. 
But here's the glaring issue, in my opinion. It's not rushing yards per game. It's what are they averaging per carry? They are only averaging 3.8 yards per carry. That's it. 3.8 yards per carry. That is almost dead last. 3.6 is the worst in the NFL. The Pittsburgh Steelers, when it comes to a per carry average, is one of the worst rushing offenses in the National Football League. I'm not expecting, nor am I asking, the Steelers to have a rushing attack that is, you know, I don't know, bring back those mid-90s offenses that they just ran it down your throat. I'm not expecting that. What I am expecting is exactly what I talked about last week on this program, efficiency. When you want to run it, can you run it? In the last three weeks, the answer has been a glaring no. This offense needs to have some semblance of a running game if they want to be considered an elite group in the National Football League. Because I feel like right now, everyone is saying that the Steelers are great, they're undefeated, the defense is elite, but the offense is not really there yet. This is where they need to pick up the pace. 3.8 average is not going to get it done. You at least have to get over four. You have to be able to rattle off at least a couple successful runs. I mean, the Steelers had one big run, I think, with James Conner, which went over 10 yards. Other than that, they were basically stymied the entire game. And again, these are coming off of two teams that were awful against the run. The Cle- I'm sorry, the Dallas Cowboys in Week 9 were the worst rush defense in the National Football League. And then the Bengals coming into Week 10 gave up 144.3 yards per game on the ground. And they hold the Steelers to 44. Okay, I'm not I'm not down in the team. This is where they need to improve, period. They need to improve. If there's a red flag that's going up saying, hello, hello, look here, we need to fix this, it's that. Because it's not just James Conner. Everyone wants to go after James Conner. It's the play calling. I'm not sure why they kept on calling so many zone stretch runs with Conner. That's not his forte. That's not his MO. He's more of a downhill, one-cut, between-the-tackles type runner. So if you're going to want to do the other stuff, you're going to have to find maybe like an Anthony McFarland when he gets back healthy with the team. Maybe it's him. Maybe he's the one that has those stretch runs. The thing is, is that you can't become predictable with who you put on the field. Dave Schofield will scream from the top of the mountaintops about how when Zach Banner would go on the field in 2019 as a tackle eligible, they knew exactly what was coming. They were going to run the ball. You have to be able to disguise it a little bit better than that. So it's the play calling. It's the offensive line not seemingly getting much push. It's the, 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 the holes just aren't there. We know. Everyone should know that if the holes are there, James Conner is going to make it happen. The problem is, is that I think a lot of people expect almost Le'Veon Bell, where when Bell was in his prime and he was in Pittsburgh, when he would get on the football field, he would make something out of nothing. That's not James Conner. He's not that guy that's going to make something out of nothing. He needs to have at least a glimmer of daylight. He needs that hole. I'm not sure what's going on, but that's the area this offense really needs to keep up. Because when you look at everything else, so you look at points per game, they're averaging, the Steelers are averaging 30.1 points per game. I talk about it a lot. There was a time when 30 points per game seemed like some ungodly number, some unreachable average that no one would ever dare. Todd Haley threw that out there when he was the offensive coordinator, and people scoffed at it. 30, yard, 30 points per game? He must be crazy. Here we are after nine games, and the Steelers are averaging 30.1 points per game. That is 
I think tied for third or at least third or fourth. They're only 2.2, or I'm sorry, 2.1 points behind the leading team in terms of points per game, and that's Seattle with 32.2. Okay, so take that for what it's worth. You look at this stuff. You look at the passing numbers. I said they're at middle of the road, 243.2. You look at the rushing numbers, 101.8. That's like the bottom third. They're scoring points. That's what's important is that they're really putting up points. They're, they're, they're doing a really good job in the red zone, by the way. They are four for five. We'll talk about that in our winners and losers segment in the second half of the program. But you look at the other numbers for the offense. The Steelers' offense has only surrendered 10 sacks on the whole season, folks. The entire season, and as much as they've had to throw it, especially the last three weeks, Ben Roethlisberger threw it over 45 times on Sunday and was not sacked. He hasn't taken a sack since Baltimore. Doesn't mean he hasn't been hit. He hasn't taken a sack since week eight against Baltimore at M&T Bank Stadium. Think about that. That that number 10 is the second best only to Indianapolis, who's only given up nine sacks. Okay, so that is a tremendous number. Interceptions, four. Ben's only thrown four interceptions this season. He hasn't thrown one in a while. It's been since Tennessee where he threw three. He is being extremely efficient with the football. I talked about that last week. And the overall passing rating is 102.6 for the season. That's a good number. Over 100 is great. That's great. So really, when you look at this, what's scary about the Steelers offense is just think about what it could look like if they could run the ball. Now, can they run the ball? Only time will tell. But if there's an area in this offense where you're looking at it and saying, man, man, if they could just do this, that's that's what that is. It's the running, and it's the average. Again, I don't need to see Jerome Bettis-like rushing numbers here. I just want to see above four, maybe get to four and a half. That's where I would like to be, because then you can kind of have some semblance of balance. What about the defense? Have they put it all together? Are they the group that we all hope they are? Are they the group that's elite, that's considered the best defense in the league? I don't know. It's debatable. There's a lot of good defenses. Indianapolis is a good defense. Tampa Bay has a good defense. Clearly, Pittsburgh has a good defense. Baltimore is a good defense. Well, let's look at their numbers as well, like we did with the offense. So passing, the Steelers are surrendering 211.3, 211.3 yards per game through the air. That's top five. Rushing, 106.8. They've given up over 140 yards, I believe, at least in their last three games. Now I know a lot of that came in garbage time against Cincinnati. And I know that that fake punt that was that, that counts as a run, regardless of whether you like it or not, that counts as a run. They gave up 144. They've been gashed. Okay. They've been gashed. So now their average is up to 106.8. That's still top 10 though. Still top 10 in terms of points allowed they're they're surrendering 19 points per game. That's under the 20 mark that I always talk about. Keep a team off 20 and the Steelers will win. I guarantee it. And that's what they've been doing. Clearly, they did that holding the Bengals to 10. That 19.0 is third in the National Football League in terms of points per game allowed. If I'm looking at those numbers just there, okay, I'm looking at those numbers. Again, it's in the rushing. It's in the rushing category. So just like on the offensive side, it was running the football effectively, running it efficiently. The average is what we're talking about. I'm looking at the defense. I'm saying, okay, they're giving up 106.8. If that can come down under 100. Get it under 100 again. We forget about those times where, and you're probably wondering, how in the world are they at 106.8 when they've surrendered 240 and then over 130 at least in the last two weeks? Well, 
is because in the early portions of the season, they were giving up like 17 yards to Saquon Barkley and the Giants and 40 yards here and 30 yards there. And it, it was just incredible, the start that they had in terms of run defense. But they've definitely been gashed here recently, and it's something that needs to improve. It's something that needs to improve. They need to force teams to be one-dimensional. They need to force teams to really have to throw the ball to beat them. Because when you look at the secondary, I feel like the secondary, when you look at their interceptions, that's the next category here, they have 11 interceptions on the season. That is tied for second in the National Football League. They are taking the ball away at a ridiculous clip. And then you look at the rating, the passer rating in terms of the opposition is 79.2. That's second in the league, only behind the Colts. They are really making it tough on opposing quarterbacks for a variety of reasons. One of those reasons is that they're getting after the quarterback better than anyone else in the league. They had four sacks on Sunday, 36 total. That's first in the NFL. The second place team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have played one extra game. Keep that in mind. The sacks are coming at a great clip. But again, if you look at the Steelers offense, I said it about that. I'll say it about the defense as well. I think that it's a group that's on the come. They're definitely getting in the right place at the right time, but that there's one area that they can improve. It's definitely in run defense, run defense. I think Mike Hilton coming back will help with that, but we'll see. Hopefully that's sooner than later. A couple other numbers here for you. Look at this, the the turnover to takeaway differential. The Steelers are plus nine. That is second in the league behind only Tennessee, who's at a plus 10. The Steelers have 17 takeaways. There were two more two fumbles, two forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries uh, against the Bengals. They did not turn it over. They have only turned it over eight times. Roethlisberger has four interceptions to four fumbles. This Steelers team is starting to click on all cylinders. But what is still, I'll say it again, what is so scary about this team, oh my gosh, is that they have not yet put it all together. They haven't. Now, some, the, you know, the, the critics out there and the people that are kind of cynical about this team that might think that the nine and is like a facade. They might say, well, maybe they'll never put it together. And maybe you're right. Maybe they won't ever put it together, but at the same time, maybe they do. And if they do, and I think they will, it could be something special because you always talk about, you want to be playing your best football at the right time. I don't think anyone would say that the Steelers are playing their best football right now. And if they are going to continue to get better, continue to evolve, continue to adjust, they can be really, really dangerous when it counts. Man, that's a scary proposition for the rest of the NFL. Coming up after this break, we're going to talk about winners and losers, and I'm going to have a little talk about the AFC North. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second part of Let's Ride This Monday Victory Monday podcast. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host here and co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And we are talking, as we always do, the day after a game, winners and losers. That's right, I want winners. And there were a lot of winners in this game. This is an article that you can check out on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com if you want to read about it more. But I like to just really take some time and focus on individual players, individual accolades, and really hope focus on what they brought to the team that would have them be considered a winner or a loser. I ended up with nine winners and two losers in this 36 to 10 win over the Bengals in week 10. And no winner in my opinion was bigger than Ben Roethlisberger. Listen to this stat line, 27 of 46, 333 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, not sacked once with a 110.1 rating. I got to be honest, you know, the, the, I don't know what it is about Roethlisberger. He seems to always play his best football when there's something going up against him. Now, I don't want to say that this is you know coming off of an injury because we know that Roethlisberger, when he misses a game or games plural, and he comes back, he's often rusty. But when something is happening, whether it's the media saying that he can't do it, the media said he's done, or in this case, he can't practice all week because of COVID-19 and a high-risk contact with Vance McDonald. I had this gut feeling that Roethlisberger was come out and play well. I I, I, I had a feeling of so much that I played him in my, my Fandle League and actually won my league because of him. So I had this gut feeling, and it really wouldn't pay off. He really, I think, took he, he continues to. I, I say this all the time. He continues to take steps forward. So whether it's dialing in the deep ball or really maneuvering the offense or now I mean, we really saw the pump fake come back on Sunday against the Bengals. It's such a really, really dangerous tool. I mean, such I think his pump fake is one of the most underrated aspects of his game. No one talks about it. It was on display. Ben Roethlisberger is the top winner for a reason. Next winner, Deontay Johnson finishes with six catches for 116 yards. He had a touchdown. A 19.3 average, a 46-yard long. There's that beautiful pass down the left sideline on 11 targets. Deontay Johnson was just the guy this week. You know, we talk about it. Every single week, there's someone else. The last two weeks, it had been Juju Smith-Schuster. Chase Claypool had his, had his time in the sun. Deontay Johnson's been there before, but it was his week this week. When he has a football in his hands, man, he's like a slippery eel. I swear. No, Good luck getting him down with just one guy. He's so elusive in the open field. I'm not sure why the Bengals ever thought, let's give this guy a 10-yard cushion. Roethlisberger will throw it to him on a quick wide receiver screen every single time, and every single time he'll get plenty of yardage, if not more, after making one guy miss. Deontay Johnson, for sure, deserves to be in the winner's column, and it's hard to believe also the majority of his production came in the first half. Okay, second half was a little different story. Next winner, Joe Hayden. Four tackles, three solo, but three pass defenses. Joe Hayden is becoming like that grizzled veteran in the secondary. You know, you think about Steven Nelson's a younger player. Minka's a younger player. Terrell Edmonds a younger player. Cam Sutton's still in his rookie deal. He's that wily old veteran out there, but boy, was he putting on, he was put on a show. He was putting on a show. I give credit. I said this in a post-game podcast. I'll say it again. Jeffrey Benedict, who does our uh, Know Your Enemy podcast on, on our platform every Wednesday, He's the one that said Burrow loves to throw to his right side. He said Joe Hayden's going to have a busy day. And boy, did Joe Hayden step up. Those three pass defenses, many of them coming on third down, were huge. He gets away with some stuff, but he's a veteran. He knows where to put his hands. He knows how to 
tug on the jersey at the right time. Hey, when he plays for your team, you're not going to complain about that. Joe Hayden, for sure, is a winner. Cam Sutton is the next winner. I'll tell you what. When I was, I, I had Cam Sutton on my winners list before I even looked at the stat line. Why? The guy has two forced fumbles in the last two games. He's really doing his part to create turnovers and to make big plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. The one thing that I was really astonished with was when I looked at the box score, he also had five tackles. All of them were five solo tackles, and he had a tackle for loss. So on top of the two forced fumbles in the past two games, uh, one went to Minka in Dallas, and this past one was recovered by Steven Nelson. My goodness, we were talking about, is it Mike Hilton or Cam Sutton that should get a contract? I'm not saying that Sutton, because of his recent performance, should get a contract over Hilton, but I am going to say that Sutton has played well in Hilton's absence. He can't do everything that Mike Hilton does. Not many people can from a blitzing standpoint, from a playing the line of scrimmage. Uh, he almost plays like a little linebacker. That's something Mike Tomlin said about Mike Hilton. But Cam Sutton has definitely carved out a role for himself on this defense and deserves to be in the winner's column. Next winner, Chase Claypool. Four catches, 56 yards, 14 average. He had two touchdowns with a 15-yard long on 10 targets. I think that, you know, no one is no one ever suggests that Chase Claypool's perfect in terms of as as a receiver. No one ever says, ah, you know, Claypool's got he's he he just doesn't do this well or he gets some criticism. Look, Claypool's had some drops this year, no doubt about it. Had some drops on Sunday, no doubt about that either. The one thing I like about Chase Claypool is that he never seems to let it phase him. You've we've all seen it. It's happened with Antonio Brown. It happened with Mike Wallace. Um, it happened with a bunch of, I could, I could, Emmanuel Sanders, when they dropped a couple passes, you know, they've got their heads down, they're down in the dumps. That doesn't seem to happen with Claypool. And you know what? Roethlisberger comes right back to him. Chase Claypool now with two more touchdowns has seven receiving touchdowns on the season is tied for fifth in the league and just two behind Devonte Adams and Tyreek Hill, uh, and for the NFL, that's impressive stuff for the young Notre Dame product. Kudos to Chase Claypool, definitely deserving of being on the winner's list after a two-touchdown performance. Next, we'll go to Ray Ray McLeod. Stat line, he had four punt returns at 60 yards, a 15-yard average with a 42-long. <laughs> I said it on our post-game podcast. I'll say it again. McLeod's going to break one, okay? We all love to sit there and yell, Ray Ray, Ray Ray, go Ray Ray. He's going to break. You just get a feeling that this guy's going to break one at some point. I feel like he should have three touchdowns this season, yet he doesn't have any. It looked like he had one against Cincinnati, but he just gets tripped up. I don't know what it is. I hope he breaks one because he seems like a great guy. He seems like a good kid that is just happy to be on this team because, remember, he was cut. The Steelers got him off the, the scrap heap, so to speak, and he found a home in Pittsburgh, and then they're not just using him as a return man. He has a spot on the on the offense when they go five wides. So Ray Ray McLeod, good for him. He's doing a great job, and people forget that he's the one that took over full-time in lieu for Deontay Johnson on both the punt returns and kickoff returns. Next winner, I can't believe I did this. Can't believe I did this, but Jordan Berry. You know, I, I, I put him on the winner's column for one reason, and I'll get to his stat line in a second. If I'm going to bash him when he does poorly, I got to give him props when he plays well. That's just what it comes down to. Okay, I'm going to be fair about this. Here's his stat line. Seven punts. That's too many, but that's not his fault. 345 total yards, a 49.3 average. He had one touchback, but he had four inside the 20, a couple of them inside the 10, actually. And a 62-yard long. Some will say it was because of the wind. 
I don't care. This is what you want to see from your punter. A punter that's able to pin you deep with some finesse, as well as can get you the booming kick when you need it, when you really want to flip the field. Kudos to Jordan Berry deserves to be on the winner's list. Next, third down defense. The third down, I, I don't think I've ever seen this before. The stat line. The Bengals were 0 for 13 on third down. 0 for 13. Not for the half, for the entire four quarters, they did not convert a third down once. Think about that. I still can't wrap my head around that. But it was a nice change of pace for the Steelers' defense after their third down struggles that they had against the Cowboys down in Big D in Week 9. So kudos to the Steelers' defense. And Joe Hayden, we mentioned him earlier in the winner's column. He was a big part of that. He Those three pass breakups, I want to say almost all of them came on third down. Next winner and final winner is the red zone offense. Steelers' offense finished 4 for 5 in the red zone. You want to talk about efficient? Boy, this red zone offense was efficient on Sunday. This reminded me of 2018. 2018 was the year that the Steelers had the best red zone offense in the National Football League. When they got there, it almost always equated in a touchdown. That's what you got to see on Sunday. If they can keep that up, tell you what, it's going to be tough. For, it's going to be tough to beat the Steelers because with that defense that they have, a little bend don't break at times. If the Steelers' offense offense can put up touchdowns instead of turn instead of field goals, that's a recipe for success, my friends. And let's go to losers. There are only two. Both on the offensive side of the ball. First, third down offense. It's a loser. They have the Steelers finished six for sixteen on third downs. It's just not good enough. Okay, great in the red zone, but holy cow, especially early in the game, third downs were atrocious. Uh, they they were definitely not helping themselves in terms of play calling. Uh, maybe I don't know. Thirty seven percent conversion rate is just not going to cut it. It's just not going to do it. The Pittsburgh Steelers need to be better. They know that, but at the same time. It seemed like it was just one of those games where it took them a while to get started. I'm not sure why that's a common thread. Nonetheless, Steelers' third-down offense needs to be better. Next, the rushing offense. You knew this was coming. They rushed for 44 yards at the 2.2-yard average. Ah, oh, that's atrocious. They, they got away from the run because it wasn't working. I don't, I don't blame them. They tried. But at the same time, I, I questioned the style of the run, the play calling, when they called those runs. It just, It, it just seemed like... Even if they tried to be balanced, it's just not working. So I don't know what the Steelers have to do. Maybe they have to come out in a tempo look and then open up the run with the pass. I hate doing that, but maybe that's what the Steelers have to do. I'm not sure. But those two losers, the third down offense and the rushing offense, that's the only losers I could find. To be completely honest with you, those are the only losers I could find on this really dominant 36-10 win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's finish this show up the right way. Let's talk some AFC North football, okay? When you look at the AFC North, I don't know if you all know this. Well, you know this by now. It's this, pod, this podcast is running at noon. I keep on thinking it's at 5 a.m., and a lot of people might not have stayed up for the Sunday night game. The Baltimore Ravens go to New England, and they lose. They lose, uh, I believe it was 23-17, to 17, and I'm like, man, this is incredible. Um you look at the standings now on the AFC North, you have the Steelers at nine and zero, the Ravens are at six and three, but the Browns are at six and three as well. And you look at the reason why the Ravens are ahead is they have the head to head win over the Browns and the Bengals are the bottom dwellers at two, six and one. But you know, a lot of people were looking at this and saying, well, I think the Ravens, like everyone's focusing on the Ravens. Everyone's focusing on, you know, the Ravens and 
what they have coming up. And I get it. I really do. The Steelers now have essentially a three and a half game lead in the division because they have their nine and no. The next best team is six and three. It's a three games, but they had the head to head win over both the Ray of both the Ravens and the Browns. So that's like another half game. Now they still have to play another game against both of those. They have to play every division game again, but still I'm looking at this and I'm saying maybe the Ravens aren't the team. The Steelers really need to concern themselves with. Well, let me explain. So Pittsburgh goes to Jacksonville. We know that next week in week 11, and then they come back for a Thanksgiving night game against the Ravens. The Ravens host the Tennessee Titans next week. All right. And so that is a, let me look this up quickly for you. Uh, That's a one o'clock kick. And then the Eagles go to Cleveland. Keep in mind this Cleveland schedule as I keep going. So then we know the Ravens and the Steelers play on Thursday night on Thursday night football, Thanksgiving night. And then the Browns go to Jacksonville. And you're thinking, you're so, okay, the Ravens have a tough stretch here. They have a tough stretch no matter what. So let's go to the next week. The Browns then have to go to Tennessee. Okay, so there's a tester. That's a tester for them. But then what about after that? After that, the Ravens. So they have some tough games coming up, but I'm telling you what, they still have the Giants on their schedule. They still have the Jets on their schedule. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, if, if I'm worried about anyone, if I'm looking outside of the division and I'm looking at, okay, the Ravens, the Steelers, everyone always as a Steeler fan wants to just stare at the Ravens. And what are the Ravens doing? What are the Ravens doing? Well, I'll tell you what, if the Steelers beat the Ravens on Thanksgiving night, I think the Ravens have no shot, no prayer at winning the division anyways. But the Browns aren't going anywhere, folks, barring an injury or something catastrophic happening. The Browns are going to be in contention for a playoff spot. And they're not going away in terms of if the Steelers trip up and lose a couple games, they're not going away either. But the one thing the fans can really hang their hat on is the fact that the Steelers, they just keep taking care of their own business. I said it uh, on our post-game show, I'll say it again. It's incredible to see the Steelers not having to rely on scoreboard watching other than to see, well, what's the distance between us and the next team? You know what I mean? That's been really, really fun. The Steelers are 9-0. The AFC North seems to be, it's a very competitive division, but the Steelers are running away with this thing. If they continue to win, those two teams, you figure, in terms of the Browns and the Ravens, maybe they're just playing for second place, and that would be awesome. That would be awesome. And I really hope that you all are checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. Uh, I'll be back on Wednesday. Actually, if you want to check out my Tuesday Mike Tomlin recap podcast, I'll be there to recap what he has to say leading up to the Jacksonville game. I'll be back on Wednesday this week talking about how the Steelers and their fans cannot look ahead. Cannot look ahead. We'll talk about that more on Wednesday. In the meantime, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you find us, whether that's Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, Spotify. Follow us, subscribe, whatever you have to do. You don't want to miss a thing. Folks, the Steelers win. Victory Monday. Enjoy it. And as we always end it out here, stay safe. Be kind and God bless. Go Steelers. That's right. 9-0. We'll see you on Wednesday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.